American soccer fans, hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. On this week's episode, we continue our deep dive into the United States men's national team player pool. It's the midfielders that take focus this time. But before we get into all that, Donald Wine here, co-manager of StarsAndStripesFC.com, where you can find the latest news on the national teams and the players that comprise them. And I wanted to start this episode, you probably heard by the intro, by reflecting on the life of Daryl Grove of the Total Soccer Show. Daryl passed away last week after a long battle with cancer, and it was news that was completely sad to everyone who knew Daryl, whether it was in real life or through the Total Soccer Show that he co-hosted with Taylor Rockwell. If you haven't listened to it before, I highly encourage you to do so. His signature, hello and welcome, that he did on every show is a thing of American soccer legend. Daryl was always someone who wanted to know more about you. He was genuinely one of the best people that you can meet, incredibly warm and friendly every single time, and he invested in people. I got to know Daryl over the years through different soccer events. He and Taylor living in Richmond, Virginia, and I living about 90 miles north of Washington, D.C. And in 2018, Daryl and Taylor joined the Cooligans and Michael Magic to form the World Cup Comedy Tour, and they got to travel across the country telling jokes and talking soccer with a lot of fans. And I was fortunate enough to be a part of the show when it came to Richmond, Daryl and Taylor's homecoming show. I was there representing the American Outlaws, and we did a nice trivia portion of the show. And I will tell you that Daryl made sure I was ready when it came to naming all the goalkeepers who had played for the men's national team. It was a fun segment. I think they recorded it somewhere in the, in the depths of, of this internet, and you can find it there. But not only was he warm, funny, and welcoming during the show, he was even more so after the show, where we all got to talk for about an hour before I had to make the drive back home. But that's who Daryl was. He would ask you how you were doing. He'd want to know more about you. He was always happy to talk soccer with you, even if it was his favorite team, Wolves, you know, the Richmond Kickers, anything in American soccer, the EPL, or beyond. That was the energy he brought to the Total Soccer Show. That's the energy he brought to life. And that's what we need more of in this soccer space. He was loved and respected by everyone. And it's a huge loss for the American soccer community. As Jason Davis of SiriusXM put it perfectly, Daryl Grove was the best of us. Rest well, Daryl. Thank you for everything you did for each of us to know the game, to better understand it, and to love it as much as we could. And my heart goes out to his wife, Shannon, his family, Taylor Rockwell, and the whole Total Soccer Show family, and everyone who considered him a friend or a loved one. Rest in peace, Daryl. And in the spirit of Daryl, as we've done the past two episodes on this show, we're discussing several players in the men's national team player pool, and we're going to get into the midfield this week. Thank you to all of you who've provided feedback on the post for last week's episode. Based upon that feedback, we're going to break these down a little differently this time. Instead of separating the players by age, we're going to separate them by position. So we're going to have defensive midfielders, box-to-box midfielders, wingers, and attacking midfielders. Obviously, while we're doing a ton of players, not every eligible player is going to be mentioned, and there's no reason behind that other than it's just a sheer ton of players and some slip through the cracks. So my apologies in advance for that. 
Also keep in mind that we have some versatile players in this bunch. So you'll see some wingers that can play forward or they can play further back in the midfield. You'll see some box-to-box -box guys that can also double as a defensive mid or be the number 10. And we're going to put them in a box solely for the purposes of organizing this show somewhat. But later on, we can debate if a player is best at one position over another. So if you don't hear a winger this week, we are also covering wingers on the next show when we deal with the forwards. So... Don't be alarmed if your favorite player is not on this list this week. They could be on the list next week. But I want to begin with the defensive midfielders, and I start with Tyler Adams. Now, Tyler Adams is, you know, arguably the most important player we have in our player pool. There's no doubt that he, if he's healthy, he is starting at that position, and hopefully he will be the man uh, for us next summer. So I don't want to spend too much time on Tyler Adams. I know it. You guys know it. Tyler Adams is the man. Let's hope that he is healthy enough to compete because we're going to need him a lot next year. There's a new kid on the block that could possibly be making a switch to the United States men's national team, and that's Jens Kajuste. And that's Jens Kajuste. I don't know if I got his name right. Uh, apologies in advance, again, if I did that. But he's a 21-year-old Swedish-American who plays for FC Michelin in Denmark. And just recently, Greg Berhalter, the head coach of the men's national team, approached him about filing a one-time switch to join our team. Will he do it? It's interesting, and I'm not sure if he's going to, but we'll wait and see what he decides. But if he is able to come into this fold, there's a lot of competition after Tyler Adams at the defensive midfield spot, and he can be one of those guys. He's playing for a team that is always either winning the Danish Super League or right there, and they're always in Champions League, or at least competing to get into that group stage. This year, Kahuste and the rest of FC Michelin are in the group stage of the Champions League, so you can watch him every week for the next few weeks uh, on CBS All Access or uh, 2DNA, whichever one you prefer. But if he joins this roster and joins this player pool, he is going to be right in the mix to be on that field in the starting lineup, depending on what kind of formation that we have. But he's definitely going to be useful if he makes that switch. Alfredo Morales is a guy that has seen some spot duty over the last few years. He, he plays for Fortuna Dusseldorf. He's a defensive midfielder. One of those guys that probably is going to factor in, but may in the end not make it. And that's only simply because there's younger guys who are probably ready to take that torch and roll with it. Morales is a little bit older, closer to 30. And I think when it comes to him, he's kind of been that guy that we should have brought in quite a bit over the years, but failed to do so. And now that he is a guy that we can consider as an option, there may be guys ahead of him that are better. So we'll see what happens with Alfredo Morales, but it looks like that he will factor into maybe one of these teams next summer. But he's definitely useful for depth. Chris Durkin, another kid, young plays for Century in Belgium, used to play for DC United. My boy, uh, he's doing very well now playing in Belgium. And really that trajectory, I want to see him break out. I want to see him take that next leap because if he can be, he's a tall guy. He's really big. He can force, force yourself into a situation. He can drop back and play center back if needed. This guy is very versatile when it comes to defense. And if we can get him to that next level, it'll only make our player pool better. Kellen Acosta, a guy that has been that young star and now is kind of on the outside looking in, will he make it back into the fold? 
it's hard to say. I, I I won't rule him out, but as of right now, I think he is on the outside looking in. There's a lot more that he could do to get back onto the playing field for the U.S. men's national team. It, it's just a question of whether he takes that next leap if he moves to another situation other than the Colorado Rapids or if he is one of those guys that we'll just rely on for January camp and maybe the occasional Gold Cup. Jackson Ewell, look, this guy, he is a young guy. He, you know, Greg Berhalter loves him. San Jose Earthquake fans love him. I don't, but it, that's not anything to do with him. I think there's guys better than him. Uh, will he be around for depth? Absolutely. Could he play for the U23s? Possibly. But I do think that when it comes to the men's national team, I hope that our guys that are playing in Europe can be healthy enough to make this team because if they are, I think they should be on the field before Jackson Ewell. Russell Knauss is a guy that I, I really, you know, I love him. He plays for D.C. United. He, when he came over in 2018, he was a godsend. He, he really turned our team around, helped us get to playoffs. But when it comes to the national team, he's always been right on the cusp but just not quite made it, whether it be due to injury or due to the fact that D.C. United routinely plays him out of position. Uh, this year he played more at right back than he did at defensive mid. But I think when it comes to defensive mid, he is a great, great depth option. And if he can, again, just like some of these other guys, if he can take the next step, he can jump to that next level – he'll be a guy that needs to be considered for this national team. But as of right now, he's probably on the outside looking in. Michael Bradley is one of the most important players in the history of the men's national team. I said it. And if you don't agree with me, then I don't know what to tell you because it's true. He's one of the most important, most influential players that we've ever had. And I think his time needs to be passed. There's guys that are ahead of him. There's guys that are playing better than him right now. And there's guys that we need to give the torch to and have them rely on. But if, but at the same time, Michael Bradley can be there in a veteran's role if necessary. I don't think if he's on a roster, he's taking a spot away from somebody else. But I do think that we need to start training our young guys to not just take the torch from him, but to take his spot. Because every time he steps onto a field for the men's national team, he gives it his all, and he definitely – earns his spot on the field. He's probably one of the most polarizing guys in the last three years. I, I know this, and people can debate him to the end of time. But MB90, if he plays like MB90, we don't have another guy in our player pool that can match that. And so now what we need our young guys to do is to match that, to exceed that, to be better than that. Because at this point, we need to take the torch from Michael Bradley and, and have it carry on beyond 2022. Is he going to be around in 2021? Absolutely. You can like it or not, but Michael Bradley's going to be there. And I think he can be useful, but I do think he needs to be able to start passing the leadership and passing the tools that he's learned from this national team down to these young guys who we think are ready to take the torch, like Tyler Adams, so that when they are ready and when they take that torch, that torch is, a, is an absolute bonfire and everyone is on board. Michael Bradley has that opportunity to do that this year. One guy who might also be on this team that is also a, up for debate, Will Trapp. I don't think he should be on this national team, but I do think that he's going to be. I, you have to, when he plays, he plays in the system that Greg Berhalter likes, and he thrives in it. Now, 
there are other guys who are better than him, but do you take the guy that you know is better or do you take the guy that you know works best in your system? That is what Greg Berhalter has to decide. And I do think we will see Will Trapp at several points next year. So, again, these younger guys who might be better than him but don't quite fit the Berhalter system need to figure out a way to make that system work for them so they can utilize their talents and we can field our best 11. The defensive midfield is going to be the most important piece of our national team puzzle next year. And if we can get our guys healthy, I think there's going to be a lot of competition. Let's see who goes to the fold. Will Trapp is going to be there again, whether we like him or not. Moses Nyman, a young guy, just came on for DC United. He is going to be spectacular. He's just not there yet. He, he's, again, still young. He just turned 16 years old. But this kid is going to be something special. Look out for him. He may factor into the Olympics. He may factor into the U-20 World Cup. But he is a guy that you need to remember his name because over the next couple of years, if DC United does right by him, he is going to see the field more and more next year. And because of that, DC United is going to prosper. Keaton Parks is the guy who went abroad to Portugal and then ended up coming back to the United States in search of playing time. Because of that, I'm not quite certain what to make of his national team prospects. Is he someone that I think will make the national team? Probably not. Is he someone that can make one of these youth teams? Probably. He's in that discussion. But I do think that he needs to find that level that took him to Portugal so that he can really excel at his position because the logjam is, is thick. The competition is fierce. And Keaton Parks, uh, the way he's playing right now, is kind of in the middle. And if you're in the middle, that means you're on the outside looking in when it comes to the national team. Alejandro Bedoya, a guy, again, who has brought great leadership to this team. I think he's on the outside looking in. I think his time has passed. I think he might tell you that. Uh, but really, when he goes, he gives it his all, 1,000% when he plays. He may not be the best player on the field, but he's a guy that's going to give you the best effort. And I think I think if he was on a national team, he would pass that work ethic down to these young guys and make sure they knew that when they came on the national team that the level goes up a notch no matter where they're playing their club ball. And I think he is one of those guys that no matter what, he's answered the bell. He may not have the best game. He may not be the best player but he gives one of the best efforts on the field every single night, and that you cannot take away from him. Brian Ko is another young guy who started DC United's academy, then moved into the USL, and now plays for Wolfsburg. A really, really rising young star, can do it all, and can be a guy that you rely on in that next group. He's been called into some national teams, he's into some camps, but I do think right now he's probably best suited for the youth teams, maybe the Olympics. But at this point, you know, if he can get on at Wolfsburg and really thrive, oh, my God, this guy is going to go places that we've never seen. And he's going to be one of those next guys that we have to talk about as one of the main core pieces of this national team. So look out for him. He's, again, a young kid, and he can do a lot of great things. He has time to develop and he's at what I think is a perfect place for him to develop in Wolfsburg. So we'll see what happens with him. And finally, James Sands, a guy that I've seen play a little bit on the national team. I've seen him play a little bit for his club, but is not a guy that's really impressed me, per se. That doesn't necessarily mean he hasn't impressed the coaching staff because he clearly has. 
So he's going to be a name that you're going to have to probably see on that provisional roster. But again, he has to take that next step. He has to figure out what it is that he can do to separate himself from this big pack of defensive midfielders. And if he can do that, he'll find the field. But as of right now, I think he, like many of the others, are on the outside looking in. Now that we're done with the defensive midfielders, and again, there's probably more out there, we're going to move on to the box-to-box midfielders. And these guys, uh, there's some that fit into this mold, and there's some that don't. And I think this is the piece where there's one clear guy, and that guy is Weston McKinney. I'm not going to say anything about him except this. I think he is the most important player in this pool. I know a lot of you think it's Tyler Adams. I know a lot of you think it's Christian Pulisic. My pick is Weston McKinney because if we have a guy who can go box-to-box, can defend and also can attack, can be that bull on the field, be that enforcer if we need it, and also the guy that can be the engine that churns this team forward, that's Weston McKinney. And I don't think anyone else in this player pool has what he has. And that's why I think he's the most he's the most important player that we have, in my opinion. So I won't spend much time on him. We know he's going to be part of the squad. Let's go. Let's go, Weston. Do your thing. Christian Roldan, another guy who is polarizing for a lot of fans, plays for the Seattle Sounders, has played in a lot of games over the last couple of years, but a lot of people are saying that it's because Tyler Adams was hurt or because Wes McKinney wasn't there or because Christian Pulisic wasn't in the squad. Whatever that means, he's still one of those guys that you're going to factor in. He's going to be on the field. He's probably going to make a team. Now, will he be on the field? Yeah, he'll probably see some playing time, but it shouldn't be at the expense of, say, Weston McKinney. But he's going to be there, and I think he needs to find it somewhere where he can take it, find that extra gear, that extra energy that we need from him. He needs to be more of an enforcer. He needs to play more in defense. He needs to be more of a creative option on offense. But I do think he has those capabilities. Christian Kappas is a guy that I love. Uh, I think that he's great. He's hasn't really broken fully into the squad yet, and I think this is his year to do it. I think if he can have a great season, I think he will be a guy that you can rely on and you can count on. So let's see if he can have that breakout season. Let's see if he can really push himself to become a much better player than he already is. And that way we have options when it comes to the midfield, especially when it comes to the, the guys who go box-to-box. Brandon Cervania is a guy that I think is interesting. I don't know if I would call him in to the national team, although he's had a, a call-up or two. I just don't think that he's there yet. I think that's a guy that you would rely on uh, for other teams, but the national team, the, the senior national team, I, I just don't think he's there yet. Gianluca Busio, a kid that is just all over the place. I think he has some flashes of brilliance. He hasn't quite been consistent enough to put it all together every single night, but he's getting there. And again, he's really, really young. I think his days at Sporting Kansas City are numbered. Sorry, SKC fans. I think he is getting ready to go abroad at some point in the next couple of years, and he deserves it. He needs to go to a place where I think he can shine. And once he does that, I think you will see a lot more of him on this national team. And finally, Sebastian Legette is a guy that, you know, he scored some goals for us. He's had some really good shifts for the United States men's national team. He's probably not the guy that you want to be in your starting lineup. He's not the first guy you're going to call, but he's definitely going to be on that list. 
And I think he's a guy that, again, can be a dynamic player for us and can also really come in and back up Wes McKinney or come in and back up Christian Kappas or come in and back up Christian Roldan if it comes to that and be a guy that you can count on down the stretch. He has that moxie. And if we need if we need those guys, Sebastian Legette should be on that list at some point. So this, I think, is a good chance to pause here for a quick break. On the other side, we'll discuss the wingers and the attacking midfielders of this group. Stick around. Okay, guys, we are back. We're talking midfielders in the men's national team player pool. We've covered the defensive midfielders and the box-to-box guys, and now we move on by going out to the wingers. And I'm going to start with the best player in the United States men's national team player pool. That's Christian Pulisic. That's all I need to say about him. It's Christian Pulisic. Why would I, why would I debate him? He's on the team. He's starting. He's our man. Number one. Let's go. Next, Kenny Saif. A guy that tried to force himself onto the field. He made the Gold Cup team back in 2017, then got injured, pulled out, and now he's kind of had a downward spiral. He was at Anderlecht, then he flamed out at FC Cincinnati, and then all of a sudden went back to try to go to, back to Anderlecht, and now he's playing in Poland. And I'm not sure where his career is going from here, but he needs to turn it around really quick because otherwise he's not going to sniff the national team's picture much longer. Right now he's pretty far down the depth chart, for wingers, he needs to figure out a way to move himself back up. One kid who, again, like Moses Nyman, plays for DC United, a kid that I love, Griffin Yao, is a guy that I think is going places. He's just not there yet. He'll be in the U20s probably. He's he's featured in the U17s before, but this kid is going to be a stud. And if he needs some you know years to kind of grow into his body and kind of grow into his game a little bit, He's a kid that already has impressed me, and he's already impressed the men's national team coaches. So look out for him. He is going to be a kid to watch. Again, I, as a DC United fan, let me tell you, I hope we have you know four or five years with him, but it may not be that long because the kid is going to be going places very quickly. His teammate, kind of his, the guy who's been kind of mentoring him, Paul Ariola, he had a torn ACL this year, and, and like a beast has fought back from that. He is not playing this season but he will be ready to go next season for DC United and for the men's national team. He's going to be a guy that I think at the at the right wing is going to be an option. I think he might be one of the best players that we have in this option, but there's other guys out there that can take his spot, and I want them to do that because Paul Areola is going to welcome that challenge. He is bat- not backed down from any challenge yet, and if he's become better and he's making other guys around him better, which he does, then that makes for a better national team pool. Challenging him at that spot is Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd is in a difficult situation right now. He's at Besiktas, but he's not on their registered roster for the season, so he can't play this fall. And so hopefully this means, and he just got there, so hopefully this means that he can find a new place for him to play. But in the meantime, if he's not playing, that kind of knocks him down the list of guys that you can call in because he's just not going to be match fit. He's not going to be sharp. 
I'm not saying it because of his talent, because I think talent-wise, he should be on the field. He probably should be starting at this point. But I do think if he loses that match sharpness, then you have to get him to a place where he can get it back before you call him back in. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him this fall and even into the winter if he can find a loan or even a new a new permanent situation. But that's going to be very necessary for him this year because we need him to be at full strength and full sharpness next summer. Kevin Paredes is another guy, another DC United homegrown, another 17-year-old kid is dynamite. He has been playing almost every single game for DC United since he signed his homegrown contract, really broke out at MLS's back tournament and has not stopped since. His trajectory is onward and upward. The kid is one of those kids that, honestly, if DC United doesn't make the playoffs, see if you can call him in for November. See if you can call him in for these next coming games because I want to see what he can do and kind of get that experience for him. I think that would be beneficial for him. And honestly, when it comes to Kevin Paredes, he's going to be a kid that's going to be right there in the mix for the next decade. And if he can get into that mix earlier rather than later, it's going to be better for the national team. Fabian Johnson is a guy that is a legend uh, for me. He's one of my favorite players. Right now he's looking for a new club. Borussia Mönchengladbach let him go, uh, let him be a free agent. He hasn't signed anywhere. He's wanted to get back onto this national team, but if he's not playing anywhere, it's hard to see him doing that. Uh, And that really pains me because I think he is great. But I do think he needs to find a club situation where he's playing regularly before he has a chance of getting back. Emerson Hyman came back to the United States to play for Atlanta United. He was in search of playing time as well. I think he could be a capable option, but I do think that there's, there's guys better than him right now on the national team at his position several guys so he needs to figure out a way to you know leap up that list up that depth chart but right now I just don't see him doing it but that I'm not going to rule him out for any matches next year because depth is a great thing to have if if we have the depth we should be using it I just don't think that he is the number one guy I don't think he's the number two three four or five guy I think he's a guy that's in the mix I just don't think he's on the team. Luca De La Torre is another guy that I think can be great, and he's playing pretty well. He's had a couple of move-arounds with his club situation. Now he's settling in a little bit on loan. At the same time, I do think that he's also on the outside looking in. I expect to see him, though, on these matches. It's possible, though, we can see him on the national team for this match coming up against Wales. I want to know if Greg Berhalter is going to do that if he's going to call in De La Torre because the, the player pool in Europe is thick, but it's not that thick. And I think De La Torre has an option of being on that team. I don't think he's one of those guys that we call in next summer for the Gold Cup or for Nations League or for World Cup qualifying. Dwayne Holmes, I, I want him to get back on the national team so bad because I think he can do very well, and I like what I've seen from him on the national team so far. He just needs to get back. He was hurt a lot last year. This year, he's starting to work his way back into the fold. Hopefully, we see him next month if he's if he's healthy. But Dwayne Holmes, man, get healthy as soon as possible because I think the, the United States needs your talent. It needs your skills. And I think you can do some damage on this national team. Romain Gall is a guy that I've seen play. I've seen him you know, play quite a bit. He's 
very, very good. He's been on the cusp of making that national team, and I want to see more from him. I, I hope there's a situation where we can call him in, see what he can do. I know he's been hurt a little bit as well over the last few months, but uh, if he's healthy, call him in, see what he can do, because I think the competition at right wing can be really, really fierce if the guys are healthy, if we can call them all in and have them go against each other. That's what I want to see for Romain Gold next year because I think he can answer the bell, and I think he will be on one of these teams if he's healthy. Indiana Vasilev is a guy he played last year you know, several times for Aston Villa, and he's 18 years old, I believe just turned 19, is going to be great. He's played on our youth national teams. I think right now that's where his ceiling is. He's going to be probably a guy that we call in maybe in November, but really for all intents and purposes, he's going to be on that U20 national team, maybe the Olympic qualifying. If he can get back to Aston Villa and really just you know hone in and become a regular starter for them and have another guy in the Premier League, I think that vaults him up the charts a lot quicker. And finally, Lyndon Gooch, a guy that a lot of people love. He's played pretty well for Sunderland and has had some great moments for them. I still don't think he's on the national team. And I think that's solely because there's guys playing in better leagues than Lyndon Gooch is. And, and that's not his fault. But I do think he, if he can dominate this year for Sunderland, then he can maybe make a move somewhere else. And if he can do that, then I think, like Indiana, he vaults himself up this depth chart on the wings. And now that we're done with the wings, we will close with the attacking midfielders. And I'm going to start with one that should not be any debate. That's Gio Renna. He's the man. He's he's the man. I don't care how young he is. He plays for Borussia Dortmund. He's 17 years old. He sets records every time he steps on the field, every time he kicks the ball. He might be the best attacking midfielder we have. He might be the missing piece that we needed to be creative in the attacking third that we've been missing for quite a while. Take the pressure off of Christian Pulisic having to do that and leave it to Gio Reyna to create all these attacks for all these guys. I cannot wait to see him on the national team. I'll just say that. Cannot wait. I hope it's in two weeks. But if it's not two weeks, next year, the kid hopefully will be rest well rested because we are going to be relying on him a lot going forward. Brendan Aronson, a guy that has been utterly impressive for the Philadelphia Union this year. He is now going to Red Bull Salzburg at the end of the season. Before then, he's going to try and help the Philadelphia Union win MLS Cup, win a supporter shield and all that. And he has been one of the best players in the league so far this year. I think he is going to be a guy that will be a must call uh, should he go to Salzburg and ball out. Right now, I, I think he he's not going to get called in November, but next year I want to see him on the national team as soon as possible. Darlington Nagby is a guy that is incredibly creative. He can score the wow goal, the goal that just leaves you with your jaw hanging all the way down to the floor. And for the last few years, he has not accepted any call-ups. And there's varying reasons and reports on why that has happened. I won't speculate on that. We don't have time for that. But if if we can somehow convince him to be on this national team – I know he's getting closer to 30, but I still think he'd be very useful. We need guys who can be creative. We need guys who can create attack and create their own shot. Darlington Nagby is one of the best in our player pool at doing that. 
and he can also season the young guys into doing some of the tricks that he can do so that afterwards he can fade off and the young guys can take over. But until then, I want to see Darlington Nagby back on the national team. But he's got to want it, though. If he doesn't want it, then, frankly, he doesn't need to be there. And right now, it sounds like he doesn't want to be there. Caden Clark is a new guy for the New York Red Bulls. 17 years old. Just came onto the scene maybe a month ago. And he came onto the scene with high beams, a booming stereo system, and made sure the block knew who he was. This kid has been dynamite so far. And I don't know if it's enough to put him on the national team right now, but he's in the mix now. You got to talk about him. You got to talk about the fact that in a couple years, he's already pre-signed, it sounds like, to go to RB Leipzig. The kid is going to be great. And it's it's he's just – the kid's just great to watch. If you haven't watched him yet, please please do so because he's – fun, fun, fun player. And I think in the years to come, he's going to be someone we call upon. I don't know if it's going to be next year, but who knows given the trajectory he's had so far. Mix Dick screwed. My man Mix, he's back in Sweden playing. Uh, He's doing fairly well. I don't know if it's enough to put him on this national team, but he's a guy that would be considered a veteran at this point. He's been on the national team quite a few times. He fell off the you know the the depth chart if you will uh, for the last few years but he's been working to try and get himself back into the mix that wasn't planned but at the same time mix disroot is a guy that you know he has some creative flair he has some ways to attack and i think right now he may not be the guy that we need to call in but who knows if he keeps playing the way he is Jordy Mihaljevic is a guy who is a young kid. He plays for the Chicago Fire. We've seen him quite a few times in 2018, 2019 on the national team. Got injured, fell off the depth chart, and hasn't really found his way back on there yet. But I do think we'll see him on the youth teams. I do think we'll see him hopefully qualifying for the Olympics. He's a guy that we will hopefully see on the national team down the road. I just don't think it's going to be in 2021. Paxton Pomacall is a guy who, again, a young kid who should be going abroad. If he hadn't gotten hurt, I think he would have been abroad already. But he got hurt, and he needs to nurse that back to health. I think once he gets back, he can be a player that could be a dynamic attacking midfielder, a young guy. Hopefully down the line, we can see him pair with Gio Reyna, and they can both go at defenses, just just slice them up. But right now, we want him to get him healthy again. And then at that point, maybe in 2021, he factors in. But I want to see what happens to him as he comes back from that injury. Julian Green, a guy who I don't care what you want to say about him. The, the, the kid has been doing really well in the two Bundesliga the last few years. He's been a guy that despite everyone saying, oh, man, Julian Green, not that guy. He still dominates. He still plays ball. He still does what's asked of him. He scores goals. He de- he distributes the ball. He creates attack for his team. And honestly, next month, I want to see him on the national team. I want to see him back into the camp. I want to see him on the field, and I want to see what he can do. Richie Ledesma, a kid who is trying to fight to get onto that national team. I think he's getting close. I don't know if he's there yet. He's probably going to get called in to the camp next month, but if 
the game started tomorrow for World Cup qualifying. I don't think he's on the team. And that's not because I don't think he's great. I just don't think that he's there yet. He's on his way, though. Joel Semura is taking the unbeaten path right now. He plays in Argentina. Very few Americans even dare try to go to Argentina to play, but he's one of those guys who's down there. He's been doing fairly well, it seems. I just don't think he's getting the looks from Burhalter and his staff yet. And I think there's more he can do to get on that level and get on that radar, but he needs to get on that radar first. I think if he keeps going, maybe moves to a bigger club in Argentina or even Brazil to Europe, if he could do that, then he'll get on that radar. Once he gets on the radar, then we can see what he can do. But I think right now he is on the outside looking in solely because, quite frankly, the guys don't see him play. And that's not his fault. That's It's just we need to have guys down there checking him out and seeing what he can do and seeing and having him prove that going to Argentina and playing is a viable path to success for an American player. And finally, Timothy Tillman, he is a German-American. He's deciding whether or not to play for Germany or play for the United States. He's Julian Green's teammate, and I do think that he's on the outside looking in, but he's a guy to watch. I don't know if we'll call him in next month, but I do think that he's on the radar of the coaching staff. He's on the radar of the fans, obviously, and I want to see what he can do over this next year. I don't think he'll factor into the team in 2021, but he could be knocking on the door in 2022. And that does it for the midfielders this week. Remember, you can always keep the conversation going on the post for this episode over at starsandstripessc.com. Any favorites that I didn't mention today, shout them out. Uh, if you have some guys who are like, yo, D, your, your analysis of them was way off, that's fine. Shout it out. But for now, that will conclude episode 26 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast if you like what you're hearing. And if you have topic suggestions, and if you have topic suggestions, drop me a line at ssfcpodcast at gmail.com. Next week, the forwards take focus and conclude this deep dive into the player pool. But until then, take care.